Chapter Four of the Pathfinder. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Pathfinder or the Inland Sea by James Fenimore Cooper. Chapter Four. Art, striving to compare with nature, did an arbor green dispread, framed of wanton ivy flowing fair, through which the fragrant eglantines did spread. Attributed to Spencer. The Oswego, below the falls, is a more rapid, unequal stream than it is above them. There are places where the river flows in the quiet stillness of deep water, but many shoals and rapids occur, and at that distant day, when everything was in its natural state, some of the passes were not altogether without hazard. Very little exertion was required on the part of those who managed the canoes, except in those places where the swiftness of the current and the presence of the rocks required care. Then, indeed, not only vigilance, but great coolness, readiness, and strength of arm became necessary, in order to avoid the dangers. Of all this the Mohican was aware, and he had judiciously selected a spot where the river flowed tranquilly to intercept the canoes, in order to make his communication without hazard to those he wished to speak. The Pathfinder had no sooner recognized the form of his red friend than, with the strong sweep of his paddle, he threw the head of his own canoe towards the shore, motioning for Jasper to follow. In a minute both boats were silently drifting down the stream, within reach of the bushes that overhung the water, all observing a profound silence, some from alarm and others from habitual caution. As the travellers drew nearer the Indian he made a sign for them to stop, and then he and Pathfinder had a short but earnest conference. "'The chief is not apt to see enemies in a dead log,' observed the white man to his red associate. Why does he tell us to stop? Mingos are in the woods. That we have believed these two days. Does the chief know it? The Mohican quietly held up the head of a pipe formed of stone. It lay on a fresh trail that led towards the garrison. For so it was the usage of that frontier to term a military work, whether it was occupied or not. That may be the bowl of a pipe belonging to a soldier. Many use the redskin pipes. See, said the big serpent, again holding the thing he had found up to the view of his friend. The bowl of the pipe was of soapstone and was carved with great care and with a very respectable degree of skill. In its center was a small Latin cross made with an accuracy which permitted no doubt of its meaning. "'That does foretell deviltry and wickedness,' said the Pathfinder, who had all the provincial horror of the holy symbol in question which then pervaded the country, and which became so incorporated with its prejudices, by confounding men with things, as to have left its traces strong enough on the moral feeling of the community to be discovered even at the present hour. "'No Indian who had not been parvarted by the cunning priests of the Canadas would dream of carving a thing like that on his pike.' I'll warrant you, the knave prays to the image every time he wishes to circumvent the innocent, and work his fearful wickedness. It looks fresh, too, Chingachgook. 
The tobacco was burning when I found it. That is close work, chief. Where was the trail? The Mohican pointed to a spot not a hundred yards from that where they stood. The matter now began to look very serious, and the two principal guides conferred apart for several minutes, when both ascended the bank, approached the indicated spot, and examined the trail with the utmost care. After this investigation had lasted a quarter of an hour, the white man returned alone, his red friend having disappeared in the forest. The ordinary expression of the countenance of the pathfinder was that of simplicity, integrity, and sincerity, blended in an air of self-reliance which usually gave great confidence to those who found themselves under his care. But now a look of concern cast a shade over his honest face that struck the whole party. "'What cheer, Master Pathfinder?' demanded Cap, permitting a voice that was usually deep, loud, and confident to sink into the cautious tones that better suited the dangers of the wilderness. "'Has the enemy got between us and our port?' Anan. Have any of these painted scaramouches anchored off the harbour towards which we are running, with the hope of cutting us off and entering? It may be all as you say, friend Cap, but I am none the wiser for your words, and in ticklish times the plainer a man makes his English, the easier he is understood. I know nothing of ports and anchors, but there is a direful mingo trail within a hundred yards of this very spot, and as fresh as venison without salt. If one of the fiery devils has passed, so have a dozen, and what is worse, they have gone down towards the garrison, and not a soul crosses the clearing around it that some of their piercing eyes will not discover, when sartin bullets will follow. Cannot this said fort deliver a broadside and clear everything within the sweep of its hawes? Nay, the forts this away are not like forts in the settlements, and two or three light cannon are all they have down at the mouth of the river, and then broadsides fired at a dozen outlying mingos lying behind logs and in a forest would be powder spent in vain. We have but one course, and that is a very nice one. We are judgmatically placed here, both canoes being hid by the high bank and the bushes, from all eyes, except those of any lurker directly opposite. Here, then, we may stay without much present fear, but how to get the bloodthirsty devils up the stream again? Ha! I have it, I have it! If it does no good, it can do no harm. Do you see the wide-topped chestnut here, Jasper, at the last turn in the river, on our own side of the stream, I mean? That near the fallen pine? The very same. Take the flint and the tinder-box, creep along the bank, and light a fire at that spot. Maybe the smoke will draw them above us. In the meanwhile, we will drop the canoes carefully down beyond the point below and find another shelter. Bushes are plenty, and covers are easily to be had in this region, as witness the many ambushments. I will do it, Pathfinder, said Jasper, springing to the shore. In ten minutes the fire shall be lighted. And Odus, use plenty of damp wood this time half-whispered the other, laughing heartily in his own peculiar manner. When smoke is wanted, water helps to thicken it. The young man was soon off, making his way rapidly towards the desired point. A slight attempt of Mabel to object to the risk was disregarded, and the party immediately prepared to change its position, 
as it could be seen from the place where Jasper intended to light his fire. The movement did not require haste, and it was made leisurely and with care. The canoes were got clear of the bushes, then suffered to drop down with the stream until they touched the spot where the chestnut, at the foot of which Jasper was to light the fire, was almost shut out from view when they stopped, and every eye was turned in the direction of the adventurer. "'There goes the smoke!' exclaimed the pathfinder, as a current of air whirled a little column of the vapour from the land, allowing it to rise spirally above the bed of the river. "'A good flint, a small bit of steel, and plenty of dry leaves makes a quick fire. I hope Odus will have the wit to bethink him of the damp wood now, when it may serve us all a good turn.' "'Too much smoke, too much cunning,' said Arrowhead sententiously. "'That is gospel truth, Tuscarora,' if the Mingos didn't know that they are near soldiers, but soldiers commonly think more of their dinner at a halt than of their wisdom in danger. No, no, let the boy pile on his logs, and smoke them well, too. It will all be laid to the stupidity of some Scotch or Irish blunderer, who is thinking more of his oatmeal or his potatoes than of Indian circumventions or Indian rifles. And yet I should think, from all we have heard in the towns, that the soldiers on this frontier are used to the artifices of their enemies, said Mabel, and become almost as wily as the red men themselves. Not they. Experience makes them but little wiser, and they wheel and platoon and battalion it about here in the forest, just as they did in their parks at home, of which they are all so fond of talking. One redskin has more cunning in his nature than a whole regiment from the other side of the water. That is, what I call cunning of the woods. But there is smoke enough, of all conscience, and we had better drop into another cover. The lad has thrown the river on his fire, and there is danger that the Mingos will believe a whole regiment is out. While speaking, the Pathfinder permitted his canoe to drift away from the bush by which it had been retained, and in a couple of minutes the bend in the river concealed the smoke and the tree. Fortunately, a small indentation in the shore presented itself within a few yards of the point they had just passed, and the two canoes glided into it under the impulse of the paddles. A better spot could not have been found for the purpose. The bushes were thick and overhung the water, forming a complete canopy of leaves. There was a small gravelly strand at the bottom of the little bay, where most of the party landed to be more at their ease, and the only position from which they could possibly be seen was a point on the river directly opposite. There was little danger, however, of discovery from that quarter, as the thicket there was even denser than common, and the land beyond it was so wet and marshy as to render it difficult to be trodden. "'This is a safe cover,' said the pathfinder, after he had taken a scrutinizing survey of his position." but it may be necessary to make it safer. Master Cap, I ask nothing of you but silence, and a quieting of such gifts as you may have got at sea, while the Tuscarora and I make provision for the evil hour. The guide then went a short distance into the bushes, accompanied by the Indian, where the two cut off the larger stems of several alders and other bushes, using the utmost care not to make a noise. The ends of these little trees were forced into the mud, outside of the canoes, the depth of the water being very trifling, and in the course of ten minutes 
a very effectual screen was interposed between them and the principal point of danger. Much ingenuity and readiness were manifested in making this simple arrangement, in which the two workmen were essentially favoured by the natural formation of the bank, the indentation in the shore, the shallowness of the water, and the manner in which the tangled bushes dipped into the stream. The pathfinder had the address to look for bushes which had curved stems, things easily found in such a place, and by cutting them some distance beneath the bend, and permitting the latter to touch the water, the artificial little thicket had not the appearance of growing in the stream, which might have excited suspicion, but one passing it would have thought that the bushes shot out horizontally from the bank before they inclined upwards towards the light. In short, none but an unusually distrustful eye would have been turned for an instant towards the spot in quest of a hiding-place. "'This is the best cover I have ever yet got into,' said the Pathfinder, with his quiet laugh, after having been on the outside to reconnoitre. "'The leaves of our new trees fairly touched those of the bushes over our heads. Yes. "'Yonder comes Odoose, waiting like a sensible boy, as he is, to leave his trail in the water. We shall soon see whether our cover is good for anything or not.' Jasper had indeed returned from his duty above, and missing the canoes, he at once inferred that they had dropped round the next bend in the river, in order to get out of sight of the fire. His habits of caution immediately suggested the expediency of stepping into the water, in order that there might exist no visible communication between the marks left on the shore by the party and the place where he believed them to have taken refuge below. Should the Canadian Indians return on their own trail, and discover that made by the pathfinder and the serpent in their ascent from and descent to the river, the clue to their movements would cease at the shore, water leaving no prints of footsteps. The young man had therefore waded knee-deep as far as the point, and was now seen making his way slowly down the margin of the stream, searching curiously for the spot in which the canoes were hid. It was in the power of those behind the bushes, by placing their eyes near the leaves, to find many places to look through, while one at a little distance lost this advantage. To those who watched his motions from behind their cover, and they were all in the canoes, it was evident that Jasper was totally at a loss to imagine where the pathfinder had secreted himself. When fairly round the curvature in the shore, and out of sight of the fire he had lighted above, the young man stopped and began examining the bank deliberately and with great care. Occasionally he advanced eight or ten paces, and then halted again to renew the search. The water being much shallower than common, he stepped aside in order to walk with greater ease to himself, and came so near the artificial plantation that he might have touched it with his hand. Still he detected nothing, and was actually passing the spot when Pathfinder made an opening beneath the branches and called to him in a low voice to enter. "'This is pretty well,' said the Pathfinder, laughing, though pale-face eyes and red-skin eyes are as different as human spy-glasses. I would wager with the sergeant's daughter here a horn of powder against a wampum belt for her girdle, that her father's regiment should march by this embankment of ours and never find out the fraud. But if the Mingos actually get down into the bed of the river where Jasper passed, I should tremble for the plantation. It will do for their eyes, even across the stream, however, and will not be without its use. 
"'Don't you think, Master Pathfinder, that it would be wisest, after all,' said Cap, "'to get under way at once, and carry sail hard downstream, "'as soon as we are satisfied that these rascals are fairly astern of us? "'We seamen call a stern chase a long chase.' "'I wouldn't move from this spot until we hear from the Sarpent, "'with the sergeant's pretty daughter here in our company, "'for all the powder in the magazine of the fort below. "'Sartin captivity or sartin death would follow.' If a tender fawn, such as the maiden we have in charge, could thread the forest like old deer, it might indeed do to quit the canoes, for by making a circuit we could reach the garrison before morning. "'Then let it be done,' said Mabel, springing to her feet under the sudden impulse of awakened energy. "'I am young, active, used to exercise, and could easily outwalk my dear uncle. Let no one think me a hindrance.' I cannot bear that all your lives should be exposed on my account. No, no, pretty one, we think you anything but a hindrance or anything that is unbecoming, and would willingly run twice this risk to do you and the honest sergeant a service. Do I not speak your mind, Oduce? To do her a service, said Jasper, with emphasis. Nothing shall tempt me to desert Mabel Dunham until she is safe in her father's arms. "'Well said, lad, bravely and honestly said, too, and I join in it heart in hand. "'No, no, you are not the first of your sex I have led through the wilderness, "'and never but once did any harm befall any of them. "'That was a sad day, certainly, but its like may never come again.' "'Mabel looked from one of her protectors to the other, and her fine eyes swam in tears. "'Frankly placing a hand in that of each, she answered them.' though at first her voice was choked. "'I have no right to expose you on my account. My dear father will thank you. I thank you. God will reward you. But let there be no unnecessary risk. I can walk far, and have often gone miles on some girlish fancy. Why not now exert myself for my life, nay, for your precious lives?' "'She is a true dove, Jasper.' said the pathfinder, neither relinquishing the hand he held until the girl herself, in native modesty, saw fit to withdraw it, and wonderfully winning. We get to be rough and sometimes even hard-hearted in the woods, Mabel, but the sight of one like you brings us back again to our young feelings, and does us good for the remainder of our days. I dare say Jasper here will tell you the same, for like me and the forest, the lad sees but few such as yourself on Ontario, to soften his heart and remind him of love for his kind. Speak out now, Jasper, and say if it is not so. I question if many like Mabel Dunham are to be found anywhere, returned the young man gallantly, an honest sincerity glowing in his face that spoke more eloquently than his tongue. You need not mention the woods and lakes to challenge your equals, but I would go into settlements and towns. We had better leave the canoes, Mabel hurriedly rejoined, for I feel it is no longer safe to be here. You can never do it, you can never do it. It would be a march of more than twenty miles, and that too of tramping over brush and roots, and through swamps in the dark. The trail of such a party would be wide, and we might have to fight our way into the garrison after all. We will wait for the Mohican. Such appearing to be the decision of him to whom all, in their present strait, 
looked up for counsel, no more was said on the subject. The whole party now broke up into groups, Arrowhead and his wife sitting apart under the bushes, conversing in a low tone, though the man spoke sternly, and the woman answered with the subdued mildness that marks the degraded condition of a savage's wife. Pathfinder and Cap occupied one canoe, chatting of their different adventures by sea and land, while Jasper and Mabel sat in the other, making greater progress in intimacy in a single hour than might have been effected under other circumstances in a twelve-month. Notwithstanding their situation as regards the enemy, the time flew by swiftly, and the young people in particular were astonished when Cap informed them how long they had been thus occupied. "'If one could smoke, Master Pathfinder,' observed the old sailor, "'this berth would be snug enough, for, to give the devil his due, "'you have got the canoes handsomely landlocked, "'and into moorings that would defy a monsoon. "'The only hardship is the denial of the pipe.' "'The scent of the tobacco would betray us, "'and where is the use of taking all these precautions against the Mingo's eyes "'if we are to tell him where the cover is to be found through the nose?' No, no, deny your appetites, and learn one virtue from a redskin, who will pass a week without eating, even, to get a single scalp. Did you hear something, Jasper? The serpent is coming. Then let us see if Mohican eyes are better than them of a lad who follows the water. The Mohican had indeed made his appearance in the same direction as that by which Jasper had rejoined his friends. Instead of coming directly on, however, no sooner did he pass the bend, where he was concealed from any who might be higher upstream, than he moved close under the bank, and, using the utmost caution, got a position where he could look back, with his person sufficiently concealed by the bushes, to prevent its being seen by any in that quarter. "'The sarpent sees the knaves,' whispered Pathfinder. "'As I'm a Christian white man, they have bit at the bait, and have ambushed the smoke.' Here a hearty but silent laugh interrupted his words, and nudging Cap with his elbow, they all continued to watch the movements of Chingachgook in profound stillness. The Mohican remained stationary as the rock on which he stood, full ten minutes, and then it was apparent that something of interest had occurred within his view, for he drew back with a hurried manner, looked anxiously and keenly along the margin of the stream, and moved quickly down it, taking care to lose his trail in the shallow water. He was evidently in a hurry and concerned, now looking behind him, and then casting eager glances towards every spot on the shore where he thought a canoe might be concealed. "'Call him in,' whispered Jasper, scarcely able to restrain his impatience. "'Call him in, or it will be too late. See, he's actually passing us.' "'No, not so, not so, lad. Nothing presses, depend on it,' returned his companion, "'or the sarpent would begin to creep. The Lord help us and teach us wisdom. I do believe even Chingachgook, whose sight is as faithful as the hound's scent, overlooks us, and will not find out the ambushment we have made.' This exultation was untimely, for the words were no sooner spoken than the Indian— who had actually got several feet lower down the stream than the artificial cover, suddenly stopped, fastened a keen riveted glance among the transplanted bushes, made a few hasty steps backward, and, bending his body and carefully separating the branches, he appeared among them. "'The accursed Mingos,' 
said Pathfinder, as soon as his friend was near enough to be addressed with prudence. Iroquois, returned the sententious Indian. No matter, no matter, Iroquois, devil, mingo, mengues, or furies, all are pretty much the same. I call all rascals mingos. Come hither, chief, and let us converse rationally. When their private communication was over, Pathfinder rejoined the rest, and made them acquainted with all that he had learned. The Mohican had followed the trail of their enemies some distance towards the fort, until the latter caught a sight of the smoke of Jasper's fire, when they instantly retraced their steps. It now became necessary for Chingachgook, who ran the greatest risk of detection, to find a cover where he could secrete himself until the party might pass. It was perhaps fortunate for him that the savages were so intent on this recent discovery that they did not bestow the ordinary attention on the signs of the forest. At all events they passed him swiftly, fifteen in number, treading lightly in each other's footsteps, and he was enabled again to get into their rear. After proceeding to the place where the footsteps of Pathfinder and the Mohican had joined the principal trail, the Iroquois had struck off to the river, which they reached just as Jasper had disappeared behind the bend below. The smoke being now in plain view, the savages plunged into the woods and endeavored to approach the fire unseen. Chingachgook profited by this occasion to descend to the water, and to gain the bend in the river also, which he thought had been effected undiscovered. Here he paused, as has been stated, until he saw his enemies at the fire, where their stay, however, was very short. Of the motives of the Iroquois, the Mohican could judge only by their acts. He thought they had detected the artifice of the fire, and were aware that it had been kindled with a view to mislead them, for, after a hasty examination of the spot, they had separated, some plunging again into the woods, while six or eight had followed the footsteps of Jasper along the shore, and come down the stream towards the place where the canoes had landed. What course they might take on reaching that spot was only to be conjectured, for the serpent had felt the emergency to be too pressing to delay looking for his friends any longer. From some indications that were to be gathered from their gestures, however, he thought it probable that their enemies might follow down in the margin of the stream, but could not be certain. As the pathfinder related these facts to his companions, the professional feelings of the two other white men came uppermost, and both naturally reverted to their habits in quest of the means of escape. "'Let us run out the canoes at once,' said Jasper eagerly. "'The current is strong, and by using the paddles vigorously we shall soon be beyond the reach of these scoundrels.' "'And this poor flower, that first blossomed in the clearings, "'Shall it wither in the forest?' objected his friend, with a poetry which he unconsciously imbibed by his long association with the Delawares. "'We must all die first, answered the youth, a generous colour mounting to his temples. "'Mabel and Arrowhead's wife may lie down in the canoes while we do our duty like men on our feet.' "'Aye, you are active at the paddle and the oar, O Deuce, I will allow.' but an accursed Mingo is more active at his mischief. The canoes are swift, but a rifle bullet is swifter. It is the business of men engaged as we have been by a confiding father to run this risk. But it is not their business to overlook prudence. Prudence? 
A man may carry his prudence so far as to forget his courage. The group was standing on the narrow strand, the pathfinder leaning on his rifle, the butt of which rested on the gravelly beach, while both his hands clasped the barrel at the height of his own shoulders. As Jasper threw out this severe and unmerited imputation, the deep red of his comrade's face maintained its hue unchanged, though the young man perceived that the fingers grasped the iron of the gun with the tenacity of a vice. Here all betrayal of emotion ceased. "'You are young and hot-headed,' returned Pathfinder, with a dignity that impressed his listeners with a keen sense of his moral superiority. "'But my life has been passed among dangers of this sort, and my experience and gifts are not to be mastered by the impatience of a boy.' As for courage, Jasper, I will not send back an angry and unmeaning word to meet an angry and an unmeaning word, for I know that you are true in your station and according to your knowledge. But take the advice of one who faced the Mingos when you were a child, and know that their cunning is easier circumvented by prudence than outwitted by foolishness. I ask your pardon, Pathfinder, said the repentant Jasper, eagerly grasping the hand that the other permitted him to seize, I ask your pardon, humbly and sincerely. T'was a foolish as well as wicked thing to hint of a man whose heart, in a good cause, is known to be as firm as the rocks on the lake shore. For the first time the colour deepened on the cheek of the pathfinder, and the solemn dignity which he had assumed, under a purely natural impulse, disappeared in the expression of the earnest simplicity inherent in all his feelings. He met the grasp of his young friend with a squeeze as cordial as if no cord had jarred between them, and a slight sternness that had gathered about his eye disappeared in a look of natural kindness. "'Tis well, Jasper,' he answered, laughing. "'I bear no ill-will, nor shall any one on my behalf. My nature is that of a white man, and that is to bear no malice.' It might have been ticklish work to have said half as much to the sarpent here, though he is a Delaware. The color will have its way. A touch on his shoulder caused the speaker to cease. Mabel was standing erect in the canoe, her light but swelling form bent forward in an attitude of graceful earnestness, her finger on her lips, her head averted, her spirited eyes riveted on an opening in the bushes, and one arm extended with a fishing-rod, the end of which had touched the pathfinder. The latter bowed his head to a level with a lookout, near which he had intentionally kept himself, and then whispered to Jasper, "'The accursed Mingos! Stand to your arms, my men, but lay quiet as the corpses of dead trees!' Jasper advanced rapidly, but noiselessly, to the canoe, and with a gentle violence induced Mabel to place herself in such an attitude as concealed her entire body, though it would have probably exceeded his means to induce the girls so far to lower her head that she could not keep her gaze fastened on their enemies. He then took his own post near her, with his rifle cocked and poised, in readiness to fire. Arrowhead and Chingachgook crawled to the cover, and lay in wait like snakes, with their arms prepared for service, while the wife of the former bowed her head between her knees, covered it with her calico robe, and remained passive and immovable. Cap loosened both his pistols in their belt, but seemed quite at a loss what course to pursue. The pathfinder did not stir. 
he had originally got a position where he might aim with deadly effect through the leaves, and where he could watch the movements of his enemies, and he was far too steady to be disconcerted at a moment so critical. It was truly an alarming instant. Just as Mabel touched the shoulder of her guide, three of the Iroquois had appeared in the water, at the bend of the river, within a hundred yards of the cover, and halted to examine the stream below. They were all naked to the waist, armed for an expedition against their foes, and in their war-paint. It was apparent that they were undecided as to the course they ought to pursue in order to find the fugitives. One pointed down the river, a second up the stream, and the third towards the opposite bank. They evidently doubted. End of chapter. End of chapter.